Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that Christ did not count his equality with you something to grasp, something to hold on to. But Father, for the sake of your glory and to accomplish our redemption, he humbled himself and came in the form and fashion of man. And beyond this, Father, He humbled Himself even more to the point of death. Death on a cross. Father, this time of year as we look to Your great gift of Christ coming into the world, we cannot worship You properly without looking forward to what Christ would do on the cross to save us. And yet, through it all, He, in His birth, through His life, in His death, and through His resurrection as a demonstration of who He is, He is Christ the King. So, Father, may we, this time of year, thinking of this great gift the unspeakable gift of your Son. Father, may we see Him as King. May we honor Him and glorify Him as King. And may we live our lives in subjection to Him as King. Father, we thank You for the wondrous gift of Christ. And we ask, Lord, that today as we continue to look at Your Word and to look at what Peter calls us to recognize as your church, Lord, that we would seek to submit to these words as they are not just Peter's words, they are your words. They are the announcement from the King. May we live by it, by your grace. We pray these things in Christ's precious name, pleading his blood. Amen. If you take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5 again. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we are continuing on with what we began looking at a couple weeks ago at Pilgrim Pastors. Uh, We spent a couple weeks ago looking over the focus of Pilgrim Pastors. And we see this in the first verse of 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter comes and he gives exhortation to the elders of the churches to whom he's writing And he says, I exhort these elders, and then points to some important things that he, as a fellow elder, focuses on. He is a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He is also a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter focuses pastors, and by extension all of God's children, all of God's people, to focus on the fact that we are to witness to the suffering of the cross, as we ourselves are suffering. Peter has talked about the suffering that we experience as Christians. And then also that our suffering is not all that we face in this life, but we look forward to the day where we will be a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. And these two things 
seeing and witnessing to the suffering of Christ and looking forward to the glory that's to be revealed when Christ comes, they provide a, a focus for pastors, but also a focus that pastors are to call their people, their sheep to focus on as well. And so we looked at how we are to, as we endure suffering, point to the suffering of Christ as our only hope and then look forward to that day when we will when Christ's glory is revealed, when we will find great hope in that glory. So we have saw the focus of pilgrim pastors. And this morning, I'd like us to now turn to two other aspects of this. We'll probably only get through one, uh, but I want us to see, secondly, the function of pilgrim pastors. You know, we, we often think about job descriptions you know, you go in and, and you think about what's going to be involved in a, in a job that you're looking to take. And, and you know, they provide the, the responsibilities, they provide the benefits, they provide the qualifications. All these different things are put in place when we come to job descriptions. Well, here we have Peter outlining for us what the responsibilities are of a shepherd, what a pastor is to be engaged in doing. Now, again, when we started looking at this a couple weeks ago, one of the things I said is, well, maybe as you're reading through this, you're thinking, why are you preaching to us about what you're supposed to do? Like, well, what's, what's the purpose here? Well, first of all, obviously, this is in God's Word, and God's Word is for all of the flock. Secondly, what's required of pastors also helps the sheep to know how they're to respond to what the pastor is supposed to do. And in fact, later on in this passage in, in chapter 5, Peter's going to specifically call on the flock to do some things. But it also, I think, provides for us an opportunity to step back and say, okay, what should you look for in a pastor? I praise the Lord that you're here at Bible Baptist. I praise the Lord that you're able to be a part of this congregation and growing and learning here, but that may not always be the case. God may take you elsewhere. There may be things that happen, and, or it may be that something happens to me and I'm no longer your pastor here. What should you as a congregation look for to define what the role of a pastor should be? And so these things are very helpful for us. And so let's look here. Again, in 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 2 when we'll read through verse 5. Peter says to, in exhorting the elders among them in verse 1, shepherd, verse 2, the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd's, shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. So we're going to see, first of all, this function of pilgrim pastors is that pastors are shepherds. Notice again what he says, what the primary command in this passage is in verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now, we saw two weeks ago that this shepherding idea was, ex was especially significant for Peter. 
Remember when Peter had, had come to that, that scene where they had gone fishing and they come to the shore and there's a fire and there's fish there and, and Jesus comes and welcomes the disciples and they're eating breakfast and then Jesus seeks to restore Peter to him. He comes to him and says, do you love me? Peter's response is, yes, I love thee. And then what is, what is Jesus' command to Peter? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my flock. And so the shepherding role was a particularly important role for Peter. And that's why he calls himself a fellow elder. What he's saying or what he's preaching to these uh, elders, these pastors to whom he's writing, he himself is taking upon himself as he was commissioned by the Lord himself to be the one who feeds the sheep. Now again, we, we looked at the, at the wonderful glories of the restoration that Christ alone can bring. That Peter, who was a denier of Christ, would be called by Christ and entrusted by Christ with his own sheep. And so what we have to recognize at the very beginning and outset of this is that under shepherds, pastors who serve as leaders in congregations, they are broken People just like you. And it's important for us to keep that in mind because there is a tendency, particularly in our society, which is obsessed with celebrity, to place pastors, particularly famous pastors, well-known pastors, onto pedestals and to look at them. And then what inevitably ends up happening? They fall. Over and over again, particularly I've seen some of the people that I've looked to that were influential in my life as I would watch videos or hear sermons from them and then hearing of despicable things that they were involved in. Now, what will often happen in a situation like that is that when you see those pastors falling, it causes all sorts of repercussions and ripples in those churches that are meant to be lights and lamps to the world. How do we avoid that type of thing from happening? Because we place our hope not in any man, but in the chief shepherd alone, in Jesus Christ. The hope for Bible Baptist Church is not in me as your pastor. And if that is where you seek to place your hope, I'm telling you, you're placing it in the wrong place. Are the only hope for this congregation is found in the only one who can truly, perfectly shepherd the sheep, and that is Jesus Christ. So when we see Peter calling us to shepherd the flock, or calling pastor to shepherd the flock of God, it begins by first and foremost looking at the chief shepherd, looking to Christ. Now, this term, shepherd, Shepherd the flock that is among you. What is all involved with shepherding? I think we can look to the 23rd Psalm as a, a bit of, a, of a, a roadmap for us as to what shepherds are to do. We all know the 23rd Psalm very well. It's one that you could probably quote and recite off from heart. And there are two primary roles that a shepherd has in that psalm. That is to provide and then to protect. Shepherds are to provide and shepherds are to 
protect. We see this. It's a recurrent theme in Psalm 23 that shepherds are to provide, particularly when we see who is the shepherd of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. What does the Lord do? Well, He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. There is a sense there that the satisfaction that we need as God's people, as His flock, is found in the green pastures that He's provided for us. You know, it's, it's always uh, been interesting to me when I talk to people who come out here to visit from the West Coast, particularly at uh, uh, the camp um, that we took the teens to this year. I was talking to one of the uh, counselors that had come to help out, and they, they were from California. And one of the things they said is, as you're flying in and you come into this area, one of the things they remarked in is how green everything is out here. And of course, we, we hear on the news about the drought in Southern California and different things like that, but it is remarkably different. It's markedly different than coming from the arid area of Los Angeles and then coming into this area and seeing green all around you. And when you contrast the two, arid, dry, dead grass, that doesn't seem very appetizing, does it? I mean, not that we're eating grass, hopefully, but to sheep, that wouldn't be very appetizing. But you come to a place like this and you see green pastures everywhere. It's an indication of something that's good, that's going to sustain you, that's going to provide exactly what you need. I think one of the things that is interesting about where we are here, that particularly down here in this valley by the creek, is that we tend to have very green fields here. Even when things are dying out elsewhere because all the water runs down here, are, we have these nice green fields here. That's a reminder to us of sustenance, of what God gives us. There's also the, the way that the psalmist speaks of how God prepares a table before him in the presence of his enemies. That there is provision given by the, the good shepherd, by the Lord who is their shepherd, even in the midst of difficulty. And that he gives him a cup that is what? Overflowing. When we go out to eat, usually after Sunday mornings, you know, I'm pretty parched. And so like one of the things I love about America is unlimited refills, all right? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, I, I was, it was to my great disappointment when I went five years ago, six years ago to Europe, they don't give you unlimited refills. Like you drink your drink and you got to buy another one if you want another one. And they look at you, this crazy American here. What are you talking about free refills? There's more than enough when we think about it from that perspective. And that is what God provides as the Lord is our shepherd, an overflowing cup, a sustenance that soothes and calms and provides satisfaction to us. Well, Jesus, again, the chief shepherd, is the one we look to to find true goodness. And notice what the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 8. We are to taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The primary role of a pastor in shepherding as he provides for the sheep is to point them to that which is good. Listen, there is a lot 
of not good things in this world. I don't know what you faced this past week, but perhaps this past week there has been an overflowing amount of not good things that you've gone through. Maybe you look back on this year and it's been a year of not good things. And the reality is that if we try to find sustenance in things of this earth, we will always find it lacking in truly providing the provision and the satisfaction we need. So the shepherd who is leading, following the good shepherd, his flock into good pastures is telling them to taste and see that the Lord is good. That you're to take your refuge in Him, and that is the place of blessing. So as a shepherd shepherds the flock, he is pointing to the great shepherd, the cheap shepherd, the good shepherd. He is also seeking to feed the flock with what they truly need. You know, there are a lot of opinions out there in the world today. There are a lot of places you can go to find and to hear counsel and voices speaking into your life. I mean, you could just sit at home and turn on the television and listen to the political commentators. You could, you know, go to a self-help seminar and, or get a book that shows you how you can be the best person that you can be. You could come here and I could, you know, I have opinions on things. I could give you my opinions. But is that what a shepherd is supposed to feed his flock with? The opinions of men. And the answer is no. Jesus, when he was tempted, pointed out the fact that it is written, man does not live, they do not find their sustenance, their provision is not by bread alone, but what is it that they live upon? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. As your shepherd, my responsibility is not to give you my opinion. My responsibility is to give you the Word of God. That's why we preach through books here, sequentially. Because that's God's Word. That's why we preach from both the Old and the New Testament. Because that's God's Word. This is where we find the true sustenance for life. And when we look at what the Word of God gives us, it points us back again to Christ. And Christ is one who told the woman at the well that if we ask Him to give give us a drink, we would have living water. We would have water that would spring up within us that would be a fountain of sustenance always. And then... Peter himself recognized the significance of looking to Christ for the provision that he needs. This is after Jesus has given his great treatise on how he is the bread of life. And that if we're to come into the kingdom, we have to eat of his flesh and drink of his blood. And and the concept there was very offensive to the Jewish mind in that day, but what he was pointing was not saying or calling us to some sort of strange mystical cannibalism, but rather calling us to recognize that our spiritual sustenance depends upon him completely. And he said it in these words that were offensive on purpose. 
And so Jesus, who was popular, the Jesus who had the crowds following him in Galilee, who took most of the people who were following John the Baptist, and they followed him. I mean, he was immensely popular. He preaches this sermon, and they all go away. They all leave him. Hundreds, if not thousands of people following Jesus, gone. Jesus turns to the twelve, to his disciples. And he says, will you too also go away? And Peter responds. He says in John 6, 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have what? The words of eternal life. Peter is recognizing something that he himself is going to be charged with later on. When Jesus says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, he's calling him to provide the hope that's found in him, to provide the words that Jesus himself gives to the flock. This is the primary ministry of the pastor, to provide spiritual sustenance according to, to the Word of God. The needed food to those whom God has entrusted Him to guide and to direct. This is why a pastor's ministry must be Word-based. Again, I, you know, I, most of what we see in Christianity today is based on the dynamic um, character, the dynamic nature and characteristics of many sort of really flamboyant and energetic figures. People are attracted to that type of thing. My goal here at Bible Baptist is not to attract you to me, but to attract you to the Word of God. That you would come here and feast upon that Word. That's why it sometimes takes us several weeks to get through one verse. Because God doesn't provide everything in an equal portion. Sometimes there's great feasts to be found in small parts of God's Word. And here's the thing. We could go back through 1 Peter once we finish it again, and there would be another smorgasbord of God's grace for us to enjoy. That is the role of the pastor. Listen, pastor do not have the freedom to fill the sheep's spiritual belly with a filler of his own opinion. That's so much of what happens in the church today is man's opinion. And listen, how has man been doing when looking to their opinion throughout history? Has that turned out good? No. So, so logic itself would dictate Let's look at the Word of God. My goal here is to open a banquet to you, to the Word of God, that, and that in it, you would not just see or learn the Word, but that ultimately you would see what lies behind the Word, Jesus Christ, to point you to the Good Shepherd, to taste and see from the Word of God that the Lord is good. 
So pastors are shepherds called to preach the word. We see this as a constant theme in Paul's challenges to pastors. 1 Timothy 4, 13, Until I come, devote yourself, he's telling Timothy, he was the pastor, to what? Public reading of Scripture, exhortation, and teaching. Notice what the focus is there. Giving the word. He tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, The things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will also be able to teach others. In verse chapter 3, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from a child you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. You're to continue in these things, those sacred writings which are able to make you wise through faith in, to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He tells Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and te- teaching. He tells Titus that a, someone who desires the role of an elder must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he can give instruction in sound doctrine. He tells Titus in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So, based upon what Paul is challenging pastors to do, based upon what we see Jesus doing, based upon the fact that the Lord provides sustenance to us in His Word, what should pastors be doing as they feed the shepherds, or feed the sheep, give them His Word? They're to provide the sustenance of God's Word. But they're also, when they shepherd, they're also called to protect. Psalm 23 talks about the protecting role of the shepherd. We look at the rod and the staff. The rod and the staff are a means of comfort to the sheep. And the rod and the staff are used to both protect from outsiders. So when the wolves are coming in, he takes the staff and he drives away the wolves, but also to protect the sheep from themselves. To take the hook and to pull them back in. To keep them from straying as sheep are so prone to do. We also find that When they're walking through trials, the presence of the Lord as the shepherd is a great source of comfort and hope. Even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness is what it literally means, although we know it more well as the valley of the shadow of death. The psalmist confidently proclaims, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the shepherd, the Lord, is with him. Psalm 23, as I'm sure it is for many of you, was Patty's favorite passage of Scripture. As I spent some time with her last Friday, the last few hours that she had in her life, I read Psalm 23. She was under heavy sedation. She was still with it. She recognized my wife and I, but... As I read that line, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as Patty herself was facing that very moment, her eyes lit up. And I, I, I am not exaggerating. Her eyes got big. 
as she recognized that she could fear no evil because the Lord was with her, protecting her. And so it is for pastors. Their role is to protect the sheep. Now, I'm not, you know, like a security system that you call up to your house when you have an intruder. But rather, I'm called to protect you from that which would seek to pull you away from the words of life, particularly false teachers. And again, we see this borne out. Peter, or Peter, Paul tells Timothy, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. He says in 1 Timothy 5.20, those who persist in sin, what is the pastor to do? Rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. He speaks about how the Lord's servant does this, not quarrelsome, but does this in kindness, patiently enduring evil and correcting his opponents with gentleness. He says that the time is coming when people will not endorse sound teaching. It was future when Paul wrote that. I think we're there today. Having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. But as for you, as for you, Timothy, as the pastor, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And as he tells Titus, the pastor must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are a few, is that what he says? There are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision's party. And then notice what Paul says. They must be what? Silenced. Since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful game what they ought not to teach. Listen, as a shepherd, my responsibility is not only to provide the sustenance of God's Word, but to warn you, to rebuke you, to call you out, and to point you in the way that accords with God's Word. And to warn you that there are so many out there who do not teach in accordance with God's Word. And listen, it's not the groups from outside that are the most dangerous. It's the ones that are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's what we must be careful of. And so a pastor is to shepherd by feeding, by providing and protecting for his sheep. There's one final thing that Peter puts on here in chapter 2. He calls them to exercise oversight. This is where the term that's used here is the, where, the, the Greek term from which we get our term bishop, or it's episkopos. And there is a responsibility for pastors to oversee particularly the teaching ministry of the church, but also all the other functions of the ministry. Now, this oversight is not to interfere with the first thing, providing and protecting, and that's why deacons exist. If you look back in the book of Acts, 
the apostles who were laboring in the word and in prayer were getting distracted from that because they had to serve tables. They had to take care of widows who were feeling neglected. So deacons, servants, came up to take that responsibility off of the pastors. And so there is a role that every elder, every shepherd is to have in administering God's church but it is not to become as much of a burden that it takes them from teaching God's Word. So pastors are shepherds. Secondly, pastors shepherd to please God. Notice what he says here. They, they shepherd not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Willingly as God would have you you. We're not going to have the time to hash this out much further this morning, but I want to just focus on that term, as God would have you. There is a great pressure upon pastors to please the flock, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I don't want to unnecessarily offend you and drive you out the door by the things I say. I want you to be here and to be a part of this community and to to encourage one another. But there's also a danger in that, that I let my desire to please men overshadow my desire to please God. We are, pastors are not to be men pleasers. They are meant to be God pleasers. And see, if, if you... Hear me do say something from the pulpit that you don't like? The question you should ask yourself is, is what he's saying still in accordance with God's word? And then if you don't like it, the problem is not with, you, not with God's word. Where's the problem? Yourself. And so that is my desire. Now, do I do it perfectly? No, and that's again where we come to the fact that there is only one truly good shepherd. Who is it? Jesus. And so, thank you for your grace when I do slip up and don't do things as I ought to. But my overall desire is that I would please God as I shepherd the flock. His opinion is the only one that's ultimately going to matter. And frankly, his opinion is the only one that should matter to you as well. In the end of, at the end of all things, I will not stand before the people that have been underneath my care as the pastor of Bible Baptist Church. I'm not going to stand before you and your opinions. I'm not going to stand before any denominational group or, and their opinions. There is only one person who I will stand before to give an account, and it is God Almighty. And at that point, no offense, I don't think I'm going to care what you think. I'm only going to care what God thinks. And as your pastor, that is my desire, to seek to follow and please the Lord above all things. We're going to look at how that provides some particular calling for pastors that they're to follow the example. They need to be eager. They need to be gentle and, and to look to the chief shepherd. But we'll look at those things next week. But the see, this morning, we're going to spend some time in the observance of 
the Lord's table. You know, we read in John...